Hi, I'm Christina Davis, and welcome to the Crazy Nomad Podcast, where we talk about the real side of working and living as a digital nomad, the raw, unfiltered, crazy, funny, wild, sometimes difficult side of those living outside of the normal nine to five. So get ready, sit back, because here are some crazy nomads. Well, everyone, welcome back to the Crazy Nomad Podcast. Another great guest today. I have Janet, who is a YouTuber, travel blogger, influencer, all of the above. Can't wait for her to tell her stories, everything. So, Janet, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Christina, for having me. I'm very excited. Would you believe this is the very first time I've been on a podcast? I would not believe that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been invited so many times, and I'm always too busy. So, yeah, here I am. I'm glad I get to be the first one. Um, so, give everyone a little bit of backstory, how you got into everything, your travels, all of it. I want to hear all the deets. Yeah. So, right now, I work as a, I guess, travel blogger and YouTuber. Um, I've been doing YouTube full-time for the last three years, I think, and before that I was doing travel blogging. And I do like to say, without boasting, that I am one of the OG travel bloggers because I started in 2009. Love that. Which was 12 years ago. Yeah, so, that's crazy. It's yeah, I mean, loads of people didn't even know what a blog was in yeah. 2009, you know? And so when I did start my blog back then, it was just a hobby. I had finished, I did a degree in journalism, so mm-hmm. it is my background. But we had to set up a blog as one of our final assignments in college. And I was the only person in my class of 35 graduates that actually kept the blog going. They were all like, oh, that was a stupid assignment. Never going to look at that again. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, it's like an online diary and you can add photos. So I kind of kept it up. And it was just for a hobby for the first five years. But I actually did travel quite a a bit even then. Mm -hmm. So I graduated from university. Um, I actually went to Canada, followed a boy. I went to Canada (laughs) and then that didn't work out. (laughs) As it it happens. (laughs) Um, And then I actually moved to Australia. And I did a year in Australia and on my way back from Australia, in the airport in Dubai, I got offered a job in South Korea. How? Literally in the airport. Like, I think I was looking at jobs online and I was like, oh, my time's in Australia is back. I'm going to Ireland. Do I really want to live in Ireland? Yeah. And so while in the airport, you know, airport Wi-Fi, yeah, laptop open. And I just, I guess I, I don't know. I, did, I just sort of sent an email and they emailed back straight away. And they're like, are you free for an interview? I was like, sure, when? They're like, right now. So wow. I was like, am I having a job interview in the airport <laughs> in Dubai? I'm like, I guess I am. Yeah. And then I got home and like probably a few days later they called. They're like, cool, you got the job. It's like 10 minutes from the border with North Korea. Are you cool oh, with that? Wow. I'm like, um, I guess so. What was the job? Uh, teaching English. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was like teaching English uh, in a school there. Uh, literally, you could see North Korea from like five That's minutes wild. from the school. Yeah, yeah. it's wild. But uh, that was when my blog really took off, actually. So I was living in Korea. I was an expat and it was like all about expat life, like uh, how to get a job in Korea, what the the income is and the salary. And then obviously like everything is in Korean. So I had so many funny incidents of uh, language difficulties. Oh, I'm sure. uh, Yeah, you can imagine (laughs) like just like mishaps and things going wrong and me saying one word when I should have said another (laughs) word, you know, but uh, I would blog about it and everybody loved it. And uh, um Stuff like how to use the washing machine. Yeah. Like the entire washing machine instructions is in Korean. So you wouldn't know how to use the toilet. Yeah. It's like these like Japanese style toilets of yeah, the, water coming up everywhere. Yep. 
Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So that that was like the blog kind of took off, but I didn't mm. even know you could make money. I mean, this yeah, was back monetize like, it. Yeah, it was like 2011, 2011, 2012. Again, like that's 10 years ago. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was still getting quite a lot of traffic then. I mean, it was getting maybe 50,000, 50,000 people a month were reading it. Wow. And I wasn't making money because I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Which is I don't crazy. Think many so, people did. yeah, it was only a few years later I, I realized. I saw other bloggers like getting paid to travel and I'm like, wait a second, like <laughs> I have this lifestyle. blog that I've been doing for five years and you can actually make money from this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then how did it turn from Korea? Like, where'd you go next after teaching English? Um, I actually, so I saved up enough money in Korea. I did two years in Korea and I went home and I managed to pay for my master's in cash. Wow. Yeah. So I paid for my master's degree and that led to sort of more travel. I worked mm. in the NGO sector for a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, as a PR manager for a charity that works with street children in India and I worked in Kenya and Uganda for a while always sort of blogging on the side but kind of left the blog on the side I yeah. guess for a while and then I was actually I was back in Dublin um six or seven years ago now geez <laughs> and um I figured out at one stage even though I was working full-time as a PR manager that I was making enough money kind of on the side from travel writing that I could actually quit my job. Yeah. And uh, the blog was monetized at this stage. It wasn't making loads of money, say like between one and $2,000 a month. And I was like, well, I don't really need to be in an office job. Yeah. Monday to Friday, nine to five. So I gave two weeks notice. My boss was furious with me because (laughs) when I signed the contract, like it was literally six months previously, he looked at my CV and he could see all these gaps. You know, he was like, you went traveling, you went traveling, you went traveling, you went traveling. He was like, you're flight risk. Like, how do I know that you're not going to just leave me in six months? I'm like, no, I'm done traveling now. This is my dream job. Like, no, you've definitely got me now for a few years. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Six months later, I go in and actually started crying. He was like, why are you crying? I was like, I'm quitting. <laughs> I love this job. I love you. You're an amazing yeah. boss. But and I got one way flight to South Africa. Okay. And I haven't stopped traveling since. That was like six years ago. So how long did you stay in South Africa for? Um, I think I was there for. It's funny. I think I went with a group of friends. They were they just there for a two week holiday. Okay. And at the end, they were like, "Okay, like you know, are you coming home? The two weeks is up." I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. I, I stayed there maybe three or four months. Okay. Um, and so like obviously we're in Bali right now I have before COVID I um would spend winter either in South Africa or Bali mm-hmm. or if I came to Bali say in November I would stay till January or February and then I would go to Cape Town okay it was like every year for th- yeah. three or four years I would spend time in, in Cape Town in South Africa nice I love South Africa yeah it's beautiful so then you did the chat. Tra- that was full-time travel blogging. So then when did you turn into like YouTube and all of that? Yeah. So at the very start, actually, like for example, when I was in South Africa then at the start and I did a lot of travels in um, Southeast Asia and stuff, I would say my main source of income was actually from travel writing. So I was writing for Skyscanner. I was writing for Lonely Planet. I think I've written oh, wow. 200 articles for Lonely oh, nice. Planet. So quite a few. Yeah. Um, just a little bit. Just a few. <laughs> I'm a pretty fast writer. At one stage, I was like on their uh, payroll and I had to write five articles a day. It's quite a lot. Actually. Damn, that is yeah. a lot. So I'm definitely a fast writer. And then it, it was kind of just took a few months of traveling. And then I learned about SEO, like search engine yeah. optimization and keywords. And next thing, my articles were ranking on Google and I was actually making money and it kind of really started to grow tourism boards were inviting me like um tourism 
Indonesia actually, tourism Japan, everyone and saying like, we'll pay you to come to our country. Um, how much do you want? I'm like, yeah. oh my God, is this real life? Like, right, it's a dream. Yeah, it's the dream. But I have to say, after doing it for say five years, it, I'm not gonna say it gets boring because it doesn't get boring. It's, it's amazing, it's a dream job. Yep. But the blogging side did get a bit tedious because I couldn't put my personality into it anymore. Because it's all about the keywords and the SEO and people are looking for information. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. But it meant that I couldn't tell the funny stories that you tell on podcasts. Yeah. You know? So that was when I was like, let me try and make videos. Because videos, I think I have a big personality. Definitely. And I really wanted to come across. And I I want people to get to know my personality. And I just think I can give a lot of information in a short amount of time through video but also show my personality yeah yes that was just probably i say three years ago but i don't even think it was it was three years ago like maybe two two and a half years ago i really started saying okay i'm gonna focus on youtube i'm not gonna focus Mm -hmm. on the blog and it took a while like you know it's still taking a while to get to get there properly but it grows over time i mean i've been seeing all your videos you turn them out like i've never seen i mean we talked about this before like you go away and before you know it there's eight videos up and i'm like where does she get the time yeah. like how do you do it yeah it's pretty intense and i definitely think i have like i have it down to a t now and i'm it's very different to other people's style like yeah. i do almost daily vlogs mm-hmm. but not even always like a daily vlog style like it could be you know 12 things to do in bali or it could be a really detailed travel guide but I will put that together in one day. Yeah. And I do find it easy if you're daily vlogging because you have it in chronological order. Yep. But it's very intense. Like I had some comments today on my YouTube and I was so angry at them because they were like, <laughs> I went to a detox retreat last week and all the comments were like, oh, you poor thing, taking a week off from your life of vacation. <laughs> and I was like, you've no idea how hard I work. Like yeah. I haven't taken a day off. I literally haven't taken a day off in about three months. Yep. Making daily vlogs. Like if I can go through it really briefly, for example, I will get up at six or seven. I will uh, upload the video from the day before because the subtitle guy will have just sent through the subtitles. So publish that. I'll reply to the first 100 comments. Then I'll go about my day. So full day of travel, like riding around on your scooter, you're filming, like, you know, intense day of travel. Get back after dinner. uh, Sort through all the files, the drone files, the camera files, the... phone files everything edit the video it could be up till midnight editing getting the music then send the video to the subtitle guy and then again wake up in the morning he sent the subtitles publish and you go again yeah it's not really a holiday like i think that's one thing that a lot of people like have a misconception when it comes to influencers or you know youtubers bloggers whatever it is like obviously you get to travel and live this amazing life but it doesn't mean like you're not like you're working through all of it like yeah i've talked to influencers and they've been like yeah like i travel and get to go to these like really cool hotels and all this stuff but like the entire time i'm filming or i'm working or i'm doing whatever and obviously some people can be like oh woe is you but it is still work like yeah. you're still putting in the time and the effort and it can still be draining and sometimes it takes the fun of the travel part away when you always have to yeah. like be on it working yeah for sure it can and like it's only when people that aren't influencers travel with me like my mom came on a trip to Sri Lanka with me yep. and she was actually in shock she was like you actually never stop working she thought she was just getting a free holiday and I was yeah. like yeah it's sponsored mom and it is free for you yep. it's not free for me you know I have to make videos I have to do an mm-hmm. Instagram post every day I have to do Instagram stories I had to put up Facebook posts and then the whole time I'm trying to collect and sort through my footage so that at the end of the trip I can produce like five or six YouTube videos so yeah she just couldn't believe how much work I was putting in when she thought it was just going to be like a, a really easy free holiday yeah <laughs> just a chill holiday so of all the places you've gone where do you think has been your favorite um 
I guess I have like different favorites depending on you know what people are looking for. Yeah. You know, people always said oh, it's different categories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for example, like I love living in Bali. Yeah. It's such an easy place to live. It's got you know good Wi-Fi and all the good facilities, good food, a nice community. Yes. Um, I love riding a scooter. Like oh, me one too. of my favorite I love, things. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to get back on the car. Like, yeah. I just want to be on my scooter. It's just such freedom, isn't it? Just mm-hmm. jumping on the scooter and yeah. driving wherever you want, zipping around. And then South Africa, like so. Uh, I actually lived in South Africa for a year when I was 18. So before any of this, before any of the travel blogging, anything. And it's funny because when I lived there when I was 18, some of my very best travel stories, if I ever write a book, which I will, (laughs) uh, my wildest travel stories all stemmed from that one year in South Africa. Yeah, because I was hitchhiking everywhere and I was couch surfing and hitchhiked all the way up as far as Tanzania and slept on people's kitchens and how was that wild absolutely wild you know because I was before I feel like that was before it was before social media yeah like so how did you obviously like now you can like go on Couchsurfer or whatever the mm, app and just yeah. find somewhere so like how would you find these people like it was with? a case of like we'd get like say the last bus from it was a case of we would get the last bus from wherever like Lusaka city yeah. in Zambia to Victoria Falls we'd get there and nothing would be open we We'd have a guidebook, say, you know, like this old, really thumbed through Lonely Planet, you know, and we'd just be looking for the street address and some, maybe the bus driver. When I I think about it sometimes, Christina, I'm like, (laughs) how was I, how how am I still alive? I know, I'm sitting here thinking, like, wow, that's like brave. Yeah, I mean, when I look back, it's things that probably we wouldn't do now, sadly, because... I guess as well when you have that bit more money and you're older you're like oh let me just go get a hundred dollar a night hotel we didn't have any money like we were broke we were backpackers so if the bus driver was like hey do you want to come and stay with my family tonight and you can just give us five dollars we were like oh yeah cool we get there there wasn't actually a spare bedroom so he's like there's the floor this is the kitchen literally the kitchen floor there was a mat on it and we were like okay (laughs) we'll just sleep here yeah we wake up in the morning and we're like let's get the heck out of here you know yeah but. i think when we're young we don't have those like thoughts of like well what could happen and i think also without all social media and without the news or whatever like you don't hear or see as many like yeah. i want to say bad things people was like oh watch your travel watch this watch that when you're like i'm in a new country like let's just see what happens yeah. and, like go with it um it's the fun of like being young though sometimes like doing that all yeah we really went with the flow and like the, some crazy stories like we had another one we were in kenya and we like we just woke up one morning because we were idiots. I'm telling you, we're like, I want to go to Sudan today. Just let's go for lunch in Sudan. Like, okay. who does that? Yeah. Nobody. Like, <laughs> we were like young and stupid yeah. and adventurous. So we just hitchhiked and it took us like 12 hours. And we hitchhiked with these uh, truck drivers from Moldova. And I'll always remember because they had all gold teeth, oh. bald and really quite gross actually <laughs> and me and my friend just jump into this insanely massive truck and it's like a convoy of trucks yeah. the guy doesn't speak any English and he's just like looking in Africa how small in Russia how big ha 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 you know and we're like what yeah. okay yeah they're like poor here so you know yeah and uh, we got to the border and then they had vodka and we're drinking and they were like oh you just need to go and t- twirl your hair at the border security because Apparently we weren't actually allowed over because yeah. who knew there was a war inside Sudan at the time. Uh, so Sudan's like my not the number one country. I'd be like, let's just go have lunch. We in were clueless. We were watching the news. We didn't yeah. have social media. We didn't of even course. have a TV where we were living. You know, yeah. so yeah, so like it was uh, it was a, an adventure for sure. But yeah, this was all before I had the travel blog, before YouTube, before everything. You Imagine know? if you had it back then. I mean, still it's now. So do you still blog a little bit now, or have you kind of just focused most on the YouTube? I still have the blog, and like it's still you know 
it's probably my biggest asset. You know, at one stage yeah. I was offered quite a lot of money for it. Someone wanted to buy it, but I, I didn't sell. And now it's sort of just on on the side, you could say. It still makes money and, mm. and it's not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to delete it or yeah, anything. Yeah, of course. But I think for the next year at least, I'm still going to focus on YouTube. And mm-hmm. maybe I'll come back to the blog in the future and revamp yeah. it, turn it into something else. Maybe go back to the old style storytelling or yeah. something like that. I know what you mean though. Like I think now like you have to write a certain way to be like targeted because of those words, everything. So you kind of can learn, like, lose your personality. Yeah. And I even find that not so much with Instagram, but you know, you can only show so much. Obviously with stories, you can show a lot. But yeah. like your actual posts and writing, it gets a little bit hard to kind of share yourself whereas when you can actually talk on a camera or talk on a podcast like this like you can actually give people a glimpse into like who you are and if they are following you you kind of want them to know or understand totally because that's why they're following you because like it's your unique personality or the unique crazy things that you do and you you can't show that in in instagram you know they they only want to see that picture perfect you in a bikini at the beach or the highlight reel and you know you can tell snippets of stories but and it's very hard then I find to get the followers from Instagram over to YouTube. You really? know, like a few hundred at a time is fine, but I have 50,000 people on Instagram. Yeah. And I would say only 1% of them watch my YouTube videos. Wow. So they just want to see it all on Instagram. So yeah. I've kind of just, even sometimes I just put, put Instagram to the side as well. And I'm just like, just focus on YouTube because people, they're your real fans. They oh, are, definitely. they are so loyal, you know? And they like, they will buy you a cup of coffee you know there's this website like buy me a cup of coffee and they will donate money to you and I think when I like launch my I'm going to be launching a YouTube course like how to make money on YouTube and I think most people will actually come from YouTube to buy the course yeah that would be my funnel I guess you could say 100% so how many subs uh, subscribers do you have on I'm just about to hit 60,000 wow yeah so it's growing and I had I think 2 million 2 million views this month in the last 28 days 2 million so that's the highest I've ever had actually really? it's pretty exciting that is super exciting so what's your plan with it like moving forward you should keep are you sticking obviously you're in Indonesia for a little bit yeah I'm in Indonesia for a few more months so yeah. I'm just gonna keep making like Bali content mm-hmm. I would say it's weird there's two different types of content so there's Bali content which is more aimed at expats and people moving to Bali like how to find a villa yeah. in Bali like how to get a visa for Bali yeah. this kind of it's a different audience if you mm-hmm. know what I mean and then there's the more general Indonesia travel content which obviously anyone that travels to Indonesia in the future will appreciate but it's kind of aimed at people living in Indonesia like Indonesian people okay yeah and so that content does really well I'm talking like we'll get hundreds of thousands of views yeah because Indonesian people are very proud and they love to see their country shown in a good way yeah love to share and, it. and, and there's not that many content creators in, in Indonesia right now because of lockdowns and around COVID, the world yeah. and so the few people that are here and are making videos we're growing very fast so yeah. I think I'm hoping that I can hit 100,000 subscribers by the end of August it's quite a big goal but yeah you can do it um, but I can do it I know I can <laughs> and then yeah we'll see where we go from there but it, it's once you hit targets like that you'll find that you know big brands are reaching out to you yeah. and tourism boards are like taking notice of you and mm-hmm more work will flow in definitely so what's been your like craziest story traveling indonesia because i know you've done some like some good ones yeah um Um, craziest funniest wildest whatever it may be or most interesting yeah i have one i think that comes to mind so me and my friend janesh i'm janesh she's janesh the two (laughs) janets uh we went to east java about a month ago or two months ago and 
we decided to take our scooters and drive 1,200 kilometers around East Java in about, yeah. in about a week, actually, in about nine I days. I remember I almost considered coming with you guys. Yeah, um, yeah. we were should come. It was epic. One of the best trips of my life, for sure. And absolutely chaotic. But we were going to do Bromo, which is one of the most famous tourist attractions here in Indonesia. It's a volcano. I always thought it was one volcano, but there's actually like six volcanoes right there, all next to each other. And they're all active, which is crazy. And there's literally one is the most active. Smoke comes out of it every 20 minutes. Like it's like an alarm clock. Like it's It's like every single 20 minutes, smoke, poof, poof, poof. And then Bromo, there's just endless steam coming out of it. And then there's another volcano. Anyway, so the funny thing, part of this story is that Jeanette teaches online and she had to be teaching online by 6 30 p.m that was her class yeah and we were driving from a city and we thought cool it will take three hours it ended up taking like four and a half hours and we somehow ended up going the craziest route ever that took us i would say almost zigzagging through these five volcanoes through what they call the ocean of sand oh that's so it's really only for four-wheel drives (laughs) we didn't know this we're on our crappy scooters Yeah, yeah yeah and the i mean a it was the most like beautiful scenery in my life like in my video I have my GoPro strapped to my head and all you can hear is oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god but that sounds dirty <laughs> but it's the scenery you know yeah, and yeah. um, and then Jeanette as well she's like this is insane this is insane my class starts in 20 minutes this is insane this is insane my class starts in 15 minutes yeah. you know and like we're freaking out we have to get to the homestay and it was sunset and it was so beautiful but anyway we made it and we made it within a minute of her starting in her class. She, she actually didn't even really get into the homestay. She kind of just like opened her laptop, connected to the internet. She's like, yep. oh, hey, Johnny, how was your day today? You know, yep. teaching online. <laughs> but then the craziest part is we get up the next morning. We had we hardly slept that night. We had to get up at like 2 a.m. to hike up yep. to the viewpoint for Bromo. We do that. We have this absolutely crazy day where we jump on the back of locals' motorbikes and they drive through us the sand and we're, there's horses and it, just crazy, okay? Yep. We get back and we're like, hey, there's another volcano like seven hours away. If we drive really fast, like within speed limit, but as fast as we can, and we leave right now, even though we have not slept like about two, three hours, and get to Ijen in in very um, south of East Java, we could do that volcano tonight. And we were like, let's do it. It was a really stupid idea, but we, we made it happen and we drove and drove. We drove right into the night. It was absolutely freezing. How we make long it, was the drive? Uh, seven hours. It was seven hours. Yeah, so it was, yeah, we did actually make it in seven hours and we're driving through this national park. It's pitch dark. And I will never forget this moment. And we stopped the bikes. We hadn't seen literally light, like a, anything anything like <laughs> literally nothing not a street lamp not a house yeah. and we were literally supposed to be 10 minutes from our destination we're like where's this homestay we're going to i haven't yeah. seen a light from a house in like two hours but we just i was like Jeanette, 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 like shouting because obviously sometimes we listen to music or whatever yeah. and we both stop and we're on this road like can't seen bikes nothing and we both get off our scooters and we just look up and it was like the most clearest Milky Way starry night really? I've ever seen in my life. That's amazing. Ever. Like it was absolutely incredible. Not a, not a cloud in the sky. And we're just like, you could just hear like birds chirping. And we're like, this is insane. Yeah. So we make it to our homestay. Our homestay is the most basic homestay you've ever seen. There was no shower and no sink. Okay. Fine. It's just a bed and a hole in the ground. 
<laughs> no heating. Love it was those. freezing. We had to yeah. beg them to give us coats to wear in bed. And we're just like rolled up like little cocoons. Like, yep. And we only got, we had to wake up at 2 a.m. So we got there at like 11 or whatever. So we yeah. had two, three hours sleep again. Absolutely freezing. Did another two, three hour hike up this volcano and... That was pretty much the end of our trip, but we were just like, what is our lives? Like, did this just happen, you know? Yeah, I think some of those are the best stories, though. And it's just like, you go on a whim or, you know, kind of go by the f- seat of your pants, you know? Especially like when you're backpacking, I'm sure, like, you know, you can be like, I'm gonna, I have an idea of like where I'm gonna go. And then you meet someone and you're like, no, let's go there now. Let's do yeah. whatever, like today or tomorrow. Yeah. And like, you kind of go. And I think those are the best kind of stories you can have from Absolutely. traveling no one would plan that no one would plan to do promo and then the next day <laughs> do Egypt because it's you would think it's physically and with time constraints impossible yeah, 100% and I think it's like good though too especially with the travel blog and everything or you know YouTube is Indonesia has so much to offer but I feel like so many people people legitimately think that Bali is a country I know like crazy. it is crazy I remember seeing someone posting about it or whatever and I was like that can't be real and then I was like reading the comments like on TikTok or something and I was reading the comments and people were like what no and I was like yes it is and I was like that's like Indonesia is a beautiful country yeah. and like Bali is just one one part of, like, island the, was like 17,000 islands that yeah. they have here like so I think it's awesome that you can actually go out and kind of show people obviously like you said that locals love that you're sharing all of it yeah and then the Westerners can maybe see different parts that like they don't even know exist, you know. Totally, like like you said, so many people think Bali, it's just Bali. Like they're mm-hmm. like, how do I get a visa for Bali? Well, I'm like, you will you get a visa for Indonesia? Like, yeah. Oh no no, I heard Indonesia is closed, but I want to go to Bali. I'm like, <laughs> Bali is in, in Indonesia. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, there's so many beautiful places, and actually. Um, I met two people in Jakarta. Uh, mm-hmm. They were actually at the dinner uh, I was with with you last night, and they planned their entire Indonesia trip so far through my YouTube. Really? Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so that's why they didn't come straight to Bali. And another person messaged me yesterday that was is currently doing their quarantine in Jakarta and was supposed to fly straight to Bali, but they've decided to travel West Java and East Java for a month first instead because they watched my YouTube videos and were like, "Wow, we didn't know there was." so much going on in Indonesia we thought it was just Bali and then the Gili Islands yep you know exactly it's like you can give a fresh eye to people so where else do you have on your list that you want to go to sure yeah it's endless but yeah it's pretty endless within Indonesia in about two weeks I'm going to go to Komodo do oh a my god I want to do that, want to do that so bad so bad so nice so we have a group of us and we're just trying to pick the right boat at the moment and um, yeah I think for most of the summer I'm going to travel continue traveling throughout Indonesia so many beautiful places I want to see yeah. and now all of my followers are like you need to go here you need to go here that is cool though have like the locals who are like you know like there's somewhere you don't you probably don't even think of like yeah. go there and see this you know and they're super involved and invested in my journey so if they say to go somewhere like they they told me to go to Bandung I was going to go anyway but they said you need to go to Bandung and I went and the comments were crazy like oh this is so cool she listens to us like we told yeah. her to go here and now she's here like this is so good. This is a YouTuber that's listening to her followers. Yeah. Well, that's a fun, that's like a nice comment to have, especially, especially, like you obviously you put a lot of time and effort into it. So it's like rewarding having it back. And I'm sure having the locals like comment and be on it is something that like, is even like adds even more to it because you know, the locals, especially just in Bali are amazing. Yeah. Like they really are great people. And oh, I think they're so that, good. You know, they all deserve to have like their favorite places shared. You yeah. Know? They love it. And so like, I think they love it if they see this sort of boule, as we're called, yep. this foreigner, 
that go to the same cafes they go to and they go and suddenly they're eating like when I eat Indonesian food I eat with my hands because that's how they eat so yeah. just go wash your hands and eat with your hands and, and they just love it they're like whoa she does what we do suddenly it connects us mm-hmm. it's like she's no different to us she's just like us so yeah. we're suddenly on the same level which is quite nice yeah and I think it's good like having people from Bali actually do that because I think there is a there is sometimes a gap of people who come here westerners from multiple different countries who kind of just live life expect the same you know treatment and lifestyle that they came from in their western country or from home and don't actually make the effort to like meet or talk to locals or like understand them and i think there's a sometimes like that gap really needs to be closed it's a huge gap and you're right it it does need to be closed and i think people are making more of an effort now especially with learning bahasa indonesia the local language and locals appreciate that so much even if you can just say a few phrases yeah but yeah there's people in Changu I mean we're saying that people think Bali is a country I swear people think Changu is the country you know that they come to Changu and never actually leave leave. what we call the Changu bubble yeah exactly and I think like even if you don't know the phrases correctly in Bahasa like even if you're just trying like you could tell they just they get excited yeah it's like oh you're not just another foreigner who comes here and expects me to speak English to you all the time yeah for sure but I think it's across the board. Like, I just, for me, whenever I traveled, I always try to learn, like, even if I can just learn to say hello, thank you, you're welcome, or how are you, like, whatever it may be. Like, I wouldn't want someone to come into, you know, my home if I had a bunch of tourists yeah. and no one ever try and talk to me in my own life. Can language. you imagine if people turned up in America and didn't know? Just imagine this, okay? Turned up in America and didn't know how to say, hello, how are you? Because that is most of the foreigners living in Bali right yeah. now. Yeah. Isn't it that is. crazy? They've come to a country and they don't even know how to say, hello, how are you? I have friends who like even, whenever we go out, I always say thank you like in Bahasa and they'll say thank you and I literally will like hit them and I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Like we're going to work on this because yeah. like it is just a nice, easy thing to do. Like, And back in America, if people go and they don't speak English, which we have a large population of Mexicans who come in. Um, and I'm from Jersey and there's, there is a good like community of them yeah. there. And when people don't speak English, they get so annoyed and they're like, oh, whatever. It's like, imagine if like the Indonesians did that to us, but they don't, they welcome us in. Yeah. Like granted we bring like tourists and all this other kind of stuff, but like you still gotta appreciate the locals and the land that you're able to even come to. Yeah, of course. I mean, like again, I mean with America and if you, even if it was just tourists coming in from France or Italy. Yeah. If Italians like just went to a random restaurant in wherever they're visiting, like Vegas, you know, yeah. and they're like, grazie. The waiter would be like, what the heck? Like, why yeah. aren't you speaking in English? You exactly. Know? So it's like, why? I don't know why people don't think the same. When yeah. They come. And it's so easy. It's at least the basics. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tre makasi or yeah. makasi. Exactly. Thank you. It's so simple. Exactly. Yeah. Sama sama. Any of them. But it, it's funny that like sometimes I like I'm learning. I'm learning more and more. And I. I do make mistakes, but like you were just saying, you don't get in trouble. Like, uh, anak is delicious, but anak is children. Yeah. <laughs> and so often I'm like, ooh, anak, anak. And I'm often, in, by accident, I'm saying, ooh, children, children, pointing at the chicken. <laughs> not ideal. Yeah, not ideal. But at least, like, I'm sure, like, they have a laugh, you know what I mean? Like, they know what I'm trying to exactly, say. Exactly. They know what you're trying to say. But I think it's, like, so massive when people travel. And a lot of Westerners need to remember, like, even if you're on a holiday for, like, seven days, like, make an effort like yeah. whether it's Indonesia the Philippines like mm-hmm. the languages they love if you just you know few words just and few words you know bringing it back to when I was 18 and I lived in South Africa I think do you know actually when I first I learned languages in school but that's you know 
formal education but when I was 16 was one of my very first trips and I went and I volunteered in an orphanage in Belarus by children that had got affected by Chernobyl and that was literally for for over a decade my only time in a Russian-speaking country Mm. and yet I still remember the phrases I learned when I was there for two weeks when I was 16 like like what is your name my name is how are you I am fine isn't that crazy and then secondly when I was 18 and lived in South Africa to this day, I still remember one of the phrases, and this was one of eleven, one of South Africa's eleven official languages, and you know it's predominantly spoken by the the Northern Sotho, I guess you would say tribe, but the people that live in this one small region of South Africa, yeah. and you will not find white people speaking this language within yeah. South Africa. But I was living there, so of course I'm going to learn the language yeah. of the community I'm living in. And uh, the one phrase I remember was Mabani kilafilo mushumo ukai, which means yesterday I gave you homework to do. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is funny that like when you like remember certain phrases yeah. from certain places, um, but you know it's just important I think to just make make the effort like yeah. no matter where you go, even if you go to Europe, like yeah. you go to Italy, like you're gonna you know you're gonna try your best French whatever. It's all the same. Like you can't forget when you go to a third world country that just because. You're right. It, people do make the effort when they go to France and yeah. Italy but and Spain. You wouldn't yeah. dare go to Mexico and not at least be able to read them anywhere or whatever. Yeah. And yet people do seem to come here and think, oh, but everyone speaks English. I'm like, but it's just respecting their culture and being a bit more polite, you know. A hundred percent. So out of all the places you've gone, what do you think is the most like off the grid that people would find the most interesting that you've been? Ooh, um... I have been in the within the last few years. I did some pretty crazy trips to uh, Kazakhstan okay. and Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, which my mom doesn't even know where that is on a map. I don't think. <laughs> um, and and Kyrgyzstan was probably one of the most interesting because while there, we actually went there for something called the World Nomad Games, not digital nomads. Yeah, <laughs> actual nomadic people. This wow. is a, like an Olympic Games, but like. I mean, I can't say pre-Olympic Games because Olympic Games goes back so far, but kind of like an Olympic Games for the nomadic people and mainly for people from Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkey, Afghanistan, Mongolia, you know, these kind of areas like Iran where they have nomadic herds and they they have uh, herding their animals to different areas depending on the climate and the weather throughout the year. And so these nomadic people have these games and every sport at the World Nomad Games (laughs) I've never heard of before. And I was like, what is happening? Like, so they had, one of them was rejected princesses archery. Oh. And so, oh. <laughs> oh. It's not what I thought you were going to say <laughs> at all. I know. <laughs> and uh, it was, within these cultures, there's, uh, I don't really understand it, but there's a way that you become a princess. But if your skin is too dark within these cultures, straight off, even when, before you're like, you're eight years old, you, you're told you won't be able to become a princess. So they're rejected princesses. And then the rejected princesses archery tournament, they do a handstand. They're standing on their hands and they shoot the bow and arrow with their feet. It's like what you'd picture from a movie. Like Exactly, right? Yeah. This is real life. This is this happens every second year and mainly in this one small town in Kyrgyzstan in the middle of Central Asia. Yeah. And then the other main sport, which I say you might have heard of, I doubt it, but maybe, <laughs> is called Kokburu. And it is um I don't know if I would like to say this. It's a dead goat polo. So oh. it is polo on horseback and instead of a ball you're using the carcass of a it's actually a sheep I don't know why they call it goat it looks pretty sure it's a sheep 
my god. Yeah, so they chop the head off, but all in a quite nice. Sense I'm sure it's like a they, they, a, a ceremonial, traditional type way. Yes, and the the they, uh, who, the winning team actually gets to eat the the the, car, the carcass. You could say at yeah. the end, so nothing is wasted. Okay. It is and um, it. Yeah, it's you know it's not just thrown to the side at the end of the, yeah. of the game, and it, it's a very old traditional game, and it's absolutely insanely difficult to play. It's a thirty kg body of How, an animal, yeah. and you're well, on, on horseback. Horse. Yeah, and like these the people there, they're quite small in, in stature. Yeah, and so they have to, you know, they're all galloping across this huge pitch, like really dipping down and picking up with one arm a thirty kg dead ghost sheep and throwing it to the next person and then it's like this huge bowl I would say like a yeah. huge basin at the end instead of a goal yeah. same size as a goal but it's like a big basin and uh, it has to go in there to get the point wow so that's just two two examples of the sports that are ha- held at the world nomad games so yeah I would say that was a pretty <laughs> unique experience to <laughs> go to Definitely. I've always wanted to go to like the stands like that whole area and stuff. I think it's just something that's not heavily traveled yeah. by like, you know. And it's so beautiful. Like it's really cheap. The hiking is in Kazakhstan is probably one of the most beautiful countries I've ever visited. Really? The hiking is phenomenal. Um lakes like you would see in Italy, like okay. crazy blue lakes. Mm-hmm. Um mountains, you can go skiing there in winter. Uh we were even there. I think it was in September and we like literally got the cable car. We were at a ski resort, but it was obviously closed or not operating as a ski resort. And we went wanted to go hiking, and we were just in our summer clothes. We get the cable car up, and next thing, the snow. And we're like, cool, let's build a snowman. Yeah. You know, it's like with these random people from a hostel. But like you just said, like, you know, because it's not wi- widely publicized as a um, top destination or maybe a safe destination. It is very safe, yeah. by the way. I was the only girl staying in my hostel. Wow. So there was about 30, maybe not 30, 20 people staying there. Backpackers from all over the world. Yeah. And even them, like the Americans, British guys, they were like, are you here by yourself? And I was like, yeah. They were like, oh, wow, that's brave. And I was like, why? You're here. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's safe. They're like, yeah, but, you know, people probably tell you you're brave. I'm like, well, you just did. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. So, yeah. I find it funny, too. Even at home, like I had people being like, oh, I did went backpacking by myself for six months in Asia, like all over Southeast Asia, India, whatever, Myanmar, all that stuff. And I had so many people be like, you are so brave. And I'm like, if you go to Thailand... And you tell me I'm brave. Like, <laughs> you just clearly haven't been there because it's not brave at all yeah. for you. Go. Like, so many people do it, but sometimes Americans aren't big backpackers. Mm. They're just, you know, you'll find some, but as a culture as a whole, no. it's not really a thing. Yeah. So you don't find many. So, like, it was, I just found it so funny. People are like, you are so brave for going by yourself. And I'm like, I'm really not. Like, I, Thailand's <laughs> like, literally, you could do it with your eyes closed. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, Really, it really is the if you're gonna be 18 years old and get off the plane in Thailand and you don't have to worry about a thing. They're yeah. like, you want to go to the islands? We'll sort your yeah. shuttle, your boat, exactly. ten dollars, everything sorted. Yeah, even into like India, people were like crazy, but I just or thought it was crazy. But it's just like you don't until you get out of your bubble, you know, you don't realize that the traveling is actually quite easy. Like, yeah. not I mean, obviously, it's not mostly most luxurious half the time, mm-hmm. but that's all part of the story. But that's part of the fun. Yeah, exactly. That's a part of the fun of it all. But like. The bravery is really just like going and doing it. It's not like actually getting there and doing that part. It's actually just like the flight out to go. You're right. Yeah. It's the decision to go no matter what, even if no one wants to go with you. Just pulling the trigger and saying, okay, I'm going to book the flight. I'm going to go. Yeah. 
like Bali, like I know people that are scared to come to Bali, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, it's so far away. And I don't know, it seems a bit scary. Like, oh, I can't I imagine moving to a new place. And then they get here and they get to Chengdu and they're like, oh, like, this is so, <laughs> so easy. So, so easy. And obviously, if you start traveling, like those are the easy places to go, you know, where you know everyone's going. Yeah. And then the more traveled you are, the better it is to get off that grid. Of course. And like, yeah. those are some of my favorite times when you just like really live like a local. Like I've stayed, we were in Myanmar and we stayed in a small town where it was like no electricity there was no running water you had a mat and they give you a blanket and they're like have fun there's no heat no light and you just like, roll up and you're like all right I'm just go to bed and hope like for the best everything the yeah. works out in the end when i wake up <laughs> yeah exactly and like the food was basic whatever but like those are some of the best you know experiences like yeah. walking we like trekked from town to town uh, for three days and it was like those are some of the memories you'll always remember like i'm not not that i'll ever forget but like the memories bopping out from hostel to hostel in thailand they're great and wonderful, but the ones that are stuck in my head are like for sure. the ones where you actually get like local experience. I think the same for me. And I think in hindsight, the, the tougher travel experiences, when I think about my book that I definitely want to write sometime, I think the tougher travel experiences that I've had, the ones where maybe at the time I was practically crying yeah. or I didn't know if I would wake up and everything would be perfect, or, you know, okay the next yeah. day or you miss a bus, you miss a flight and all these things that lead to something else and three things going wrong in one day, whatever. Yeah. But these are the ones that make you stronger as a person. They're, they make you a way better traveler long term, more patience and more resilience. 100%. And just the crazy stories come out of those. Yeah. And you remember them better. Of course. You know. Those, the crazy stories are my favorite, but like the resilience is massive. Like it could be something so small, like, and then just adds up to little things. Like even one time, like I was an idiot and I was like free diving down the sardine run in uh, the Philippines and I got on a plane the next day. Like, I didn't think I was going that deep oh and I burst both my eardrums on land in Cambodia and I was like basically deaf like oh I couldn't hear anything and I like landed and I went to my mom and I was like um so I'm deaf um <laughs> I don't know what to do and like one of my Sorry, friends mom. <laughs> I was like I don't know what to really have to do and I was like go to the hospital and my yeah. one friend who's a flight attendant I told her and she was like you have to be really careful she was like you can like fully like burst some bad to where you don't really get part of your hearing back and i was like that's not what i want to hear right now yeah i was like i'm deaf you don't need to tell me this like <laughs> what the hell and like oh i remember i was also sick and like all these things kind of like added up, added up and i remember laying in my bed being like is this the moment that i go home as i like could barely breathe i was like coughing my lungs out Jeez. i was sweating i couldn't hear anything i was like all i need to do is be blind now and i'm pretty much just done so like <laughs> i don't have any fucking senses left of me um, but like those are the moments where you get the most resilience, yeah. you know, like obviously I didn't go home. Obviously I came And you're like, end. yeah, if you do stay and you don't go home, you're like, okay, I can do this. If I survived yeah. that, I can survive anything. Exactly. Like I, like the amount of bad things that happened to me traveling was endless. Like I got deported. Like I've been, well, you know, through the ringer, but yeah. everyone's always like, how do you survive? And I'm like, it's what you do afterwards that really defines mm-hmm. the rest of it. Like For sure. anyone can run home and be like, that was hard by, but like, yeah. And their friends like, Oh no, you did the right thing. Well, you know, come home. It's fine. But I think it's the people that stay. Yeah. yeah and fight and fight through it. And they'll become stronger afterwards. A hundred percent. And even like, besides the bad things happening, like sometimes just culture shock can happen too. Like I've had friends, like I remember one of my friends, she went to pretty sure it was Kenya and it was like this trip organized by a teacher in our school and they went for summer for a couple weeks and Mm -hmm. he brought them down to like his actual village he grew up in and he was like from there and they spent a couple days there and they had to live like the locals they had to run and catch their chickens to kill at night to eat and there wasn't enough like there wasn't enough stuff to give him iron so they had they literally had to because they were there for a certain amount of time 
take uh, I think it was a goat and sli- uh, slice its neck open and they had to drink the blood oh out of the neck goodness. to get iron and like they were like he was like you have like, you have to like you're gonna be so low on iron living out here like yeah, you really yeah. don't have a choice and she was like vegetarian oh and goodness she was, like I literally like, had a mental breakdown obviously that was a whole different issue yeah but, like of a lot of the people had issues on it and it's yeah. like. You know, sometimes you can go to the point where it's a little too far yeah, until sure. your culture shock or out of the comfort zone. No. Those are also great stories in the end. Yeah. But they can be like hard things. Of course. I can. And I mean, there's situations like that that definitely I would have backed away from. Yeah. You know, and, and more so, I think the older I get when I think, oh, forget that. I'm not doing that. Like, yeah. I'm out. But I think when I was younger, I was probably more accepting and just more like, oh, okay, let me just try it. Like, yeah. Let's just, just do it. Suck it up. You yeah. Know? yeah. Drink that blood. <laughs> just drink that blood. Yeah. But it is That's crazy. Those are the stories that are also like funny to look back on. But yeah. it can test you. Oh, for sure. Like we, I definitely, I've quite a few stories like that. And it's just, I definitely wished I hadn't been put on, in that situation at the time. And I don't think it was ever like, you know, I don't even look at it like, oh, it built me strength and made me better. But yeah, it is another story for the book, yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you look back. But yeah, it's tough. You can get thrown into really difficult situations when you're traveling and, and sometimes dangerous as well. And yeah. it's it's tough, but that's part of the risk you take if you're deciding you're going to have a life of travel rather than just staying in your home country and getting married and having a mortgage and yeah. going on two weeks holiday a year. Exactly. And some people love that and want it. Do I think personally that like, Especially, I don't know, just me being American, that, like, it should be forced upon you that you need to, like, go for one week a year to, like, a third world country yeah. and just open your perspective. Yeah. Because it changes you, for sure. Yeah. After my first trip, like, when I moved out to Asia after college, I studied abroad and stuff, but I was in Europe, and, mm. you know, I wouldn't really count that as, like, humbling in any sense of the way of travel. Of and then course. when I moved out to Asia and I kind of was traveling more and really started to see things, I came back as a whole different person Yeah. than I did when I started. And I was like, there's... You know, I'm grateful for what I have at home and I'm also grateful to experience other people's yeah. cultures. They say as well, like, uh, and this is something I suffer for, from a lot when I return home is reverse culture shock. Oh my God, yeah. So that's like, I had spent three months in Kenya and, you know, every bit of water we needed, we had to carry, like the local ladies, uh, with this huge bucket on our head. So, well, I couldn't put it on my head, so I just carried it in my arms. But like, you know, one of those big five or 10 yeah. liter things and we'd have to walk one, two kilometers with them. And so you're very careful with water. Like, you never would leave a tap running. Well, we didn't yeah. have taps. But, you know, you never leave the water running while brushing your teeth. There's no such thing as flushing the toilet. Yeah. Um, washing your clothes. You'd be very scarce with the water. And then I return home and, you know, my dad's like, oh, just leave the tap running there for 20 minutes and, like, wait till the water warms up. I'm like, leave the shower <laughs> running for 20 minutes. Are you crazy? Yeah. And mom's like, who didn't flush the toilet? And I was like, oh, like, it was just a number one. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, flush the toilet. Yeah, no, the reverse culture shock is so real like it hits you like I think it hits you harder than the opposite like you come back and you're like oh my god like just the waste yeah I remember like I forget where I was beforehand but I came home and I went into an American supermarket and I was like why do we need a whole aisle of potato chips like I don't understand like we are so wasteful we overconsume. and my mom was like shut up she was like, I get you traveled, whatever. She's like, yeah. but this is normal. And I'm like, we don't need it. I was like, there's four different brands, 12 different flavors. Like, let's oh, be real. But it's so like the culture yeah. back and you're like, what? Like yeah. you're just 
such a different and world. then something like that is one of the things I enjoy the most about going back to Ireland is we love chocolate in Ireland and I, I've never noticed it until I traveled so much back to Ireland and we have a whole aisle just for chocolate bars yeah. it's amazing <laughs> here yeah, you get yeah. Twix, Snickers or Mars Bar and that's it <laughs> yeah no it is it is going back and being good and like being you know be able to have like your food and yeah. whatever you know I'm heading back in like whatever two weeks and that's one of the things I'm excited for is like my snacks and yeah. stuff might hopefully not gain a lot of weight while I go home because it tends <laughs> yeah. to happen to go back to America. I know. But yeah, no, it is it is funny how you watch the reverse happen. Yeah. For sure. No, it's interesting. And then like you said with your mom, like you have to suck it up. Your friends can only listen to oh well in Bali and yeah. oh well in Thailand. So maybe my first day my friends will grace me with that time to listen to my stories. And after yep. that it's like shut it, Janet. Yeah. And I've learned just okay, that's it. You can call up your travel friends, that's fine. But that's what you your do. home friends don't want to hear it all the time. No, someone I watched a video and someone was like, You have they were talking about like the kind of the depression that people can actually go into after traveling yeah, and stuff. For sure. And they were saying like when you talk to someone you actually only get sixty seconds sixty seconds of their attention. And that's all you get. And then after that they lose it because they weren't yeah. there, they don't get it, they don't understand the stories. And they just, not they don't care, but they just don't care. Yeah. So it's like you have 60 seconds to tell them everything great. And I got to the point after traveling, coming home so many times, back and forth, people were like, how was I? was like, it was amazing. And until you want to ask me more, like, exactly, all yeah. I'm giving you. Same. Otherwise, you go to talk and get excited and you see, like, the excitement just drop on their face over time. And you're like, well, that. And then it's sad for you to watch. Because yeah. it's, like, some of your best stories and you yeah. really want to keep them filled in, you know. So, yep. yeah, I'm the same. It won't, maybe it will come up again a few nights later, you know, you're all, like, drinking or something. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, did I tell you this crocodile tried to eat my leg? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. Then, then you can tell one story. You've yeah. raced with one story. <laughs> exactly. and then you wait wait a few more weeks for, for the chicken story. You yeah, know? Like, exactly, exactly. But, you know, it's all the fun games of traveling. Yeah. And having that travel community definitely makes it easier. Yeah, you can call each other sure. and be like, do you remember when we did X, Y, Z? But, yeah. yeah and no, I think I will just say one thing is, like, I love solo travel and I do solo travel most of the time. But I think more and more as time goes on, a, if you solo travel, obviously you have these kind of crazy experiences and you meet people and, and crazy stuff can end up happening. But if you travel with a friend or a group of friends, the best thing is that you always have someone to call up after the trip and be like, remember when we yeah. did this and remember when we did that. And, you know, even I did this trip when I was 20 and me and those girls still talk and we're like, remember when we hitchhiked with those truck truck drivers? And yeah. We'll always laugh about those moments. And I think it would be so sad if I hadn't been there with those girls. Because mm-hmm. those memories would probably just fade away. And I would never have anyone to talk to, to them about, you know. I know exactly what you mean. I started journaling my first, like, backpacking trip. And I stopped halfway through. Because it, it does become tedious. Like, every yeah. day I sit down and journal. And then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll journal, like, in a week or two. Or in a whatever, whatever. And then I was like, when I got home, I was like, oh, I'll think back of all the memories and then journal them down. And I ended up never doing it. Yeah. I joined the first few and like I went back and read them like probably before I came here, I think it was. And I was laughing at the stories and I remembered them. I'm like, damn it, if I could remember like all the things that happened from my solo travel and actually wrote it down, like it'd be great. Yeah. But, you know, sharing those moments with other people's definitely. It's nice. It's a nice feeling just to, to meet up again later in life and, and laugh about those yeah. Those bad situations mainly. Yeah. <laughs> or even solo traveling the people you meet, like yeah. having those really good friendships and then For just calling sure. them like Alec, who's here with me now, yeah. is one of my best friends we met in Thailand. Oh. And while we were home during COVID, we both called each other and be like, do you remember when we were in Thailand, like dancing in the rain, doing whatever? Oh and like God. having those memories is definitely yeah. the best for sure. Yeah. Oh, good times. We can't wait for us to be able to travel again properly. 
Oh no, I know I can't. I cannot. Or whenever it will happen. Yeah, right. Hopefully the world returns to normal and all will be well. But thank you so much for coming on today. If you want to plug yourself, where can people find you? YouTube, Instagram, all of it. Yeah, uh, my Instagram is Janet Newenham. It's just my name. And uh, my YouTube is the same, actually, Janet Newenham. Or if you search journalist on the run into Google, my blog and, and YouTube and stuff will come up. So yeah check it out and hopefully there'll be more fun travel stories to come yes definitely it'll all be in the notes below all of our tags so thanks everyone for listening thanks janet for coming on and keep on listening guys the episodes are just getting even better all right if you are a new or aspiring entrepreneur who dreams of freedom and working from anywhere in the world click the link below and book a free discover call with me where we will break down the exact steps you need to take to make that dream life of yours an actual reality so we can get you started on the journey to becoming a digital nomad.